the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 20 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and Money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Stock markets, record highs, teasingly close, right? Things along those lines. I think those are kind of what everyone always loves to talk about. Let's see. What did I forget to turn off today? There we go. Um, economic data, earnings season, technicals, fundamentals, uh, future, what we're looking forward to in the back half of the year. Um, these are some of the things that we play with. Um, the Olympics going for gold, bit of a distraction, which is nice. Markets open a little bit higher today. Uh, S&P 500 higher, slightly Dow higher, slightly Nasdaq slightly higher. Dow Industrials average 30, um, 18,558. So it's correct that 18,550. Uh, pretty nice. When you take a look at gold and silver up slightly, um, the 10-year treasury sits at 1.57. It was about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, when the whole Brexit thing came down, that it dipped down to 1.28, I think, 1.34 in that area. Um, so we got some things going on. We got some things that we're eyeballing for sure. Um, Monday wasn't a holiday in any way, shape, or form. But it kind of felt like one with volume on the incredible light side. Uh, we are meandering our way through the summer. Very light conviction. Today we'll see if you know we produce uh, more trading vigor. So when you're up on light volume, you don't typically respect it. So maybe it's like a baseball team playing another baseball team that's just traded their three or four star players. Uh, it's a win, but it's not as good of a win. But it's a win. So some relatively pleasing inflation data out of China and the stock market's ongoing resilience to selling efforts have helped provide a diversion of sorts uh, from the ugly productivity report that we got for the second quarter. Second quarter productivity was really quite weak. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, but not too much about it. So the CPI decelerated to 1.8% from year-over-year levels, from 1.9% in June, 
which was in line with expectations. China's PPI, producer price index, declined, which was better than expected. So not a lot of inflation. And inflation's it's okay with a little bit. It's kind of scary with a lot. So oil prices up earlier, underpinned by continued short covered activity and momentum-based trading, both of which have helped lift prices nearly 10% over the last five trading sessions. So productivity in the United States was up 10%. No, 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 no. Second quarter productivity report showed productivity declining one half of a percent. We're not getting as much out of our workers after decreasing an unrevised six-tenths of a percent in the first quarter. Second quarter decline was the result of output increasing 1.2% and hours worked increasing 1.8%. So on a year-over-year basis, second quarter productivity was down. The more productive we are, the more profitable we are. The more productive we are at some point in time, uh, that kind of reverses. And it leads to more hiring. So uh, I can't say that, that there's anything out there today that looks like, woohoo, <clears throat> we must talk about this. One area that we must talk about is Nike to Under Armour. They're going for the gold in the Olympics. Um, Nike swoosh has become synonymous with Olympic Games and the five rings. And athletes that wear its apparel and footwear. In fact, the past eight Olympics since Nike became a public company, shares of the swoosh brand have posted average gains of nearly 6% during the Olympics. Huge winner. That first rate of return even factors in a drop of nearly 3% during the Beijing Games. So, Nike is an official Olympic sponsor. And they're going to be racing against upstart rival Under Armour in a lot of head-to-head best stock performance for the Rio Games. So in its first two head-to-head Olympic stock return competitions, Under Armour faced worst, or Under Armour fared worse than Nike. So Nike just gets that big super mm, going. So just because they're that kind of super big. So now Under Armour does get an endorsement from Michael Phelps, not too shabby. That was pretty funny last night. Uh, Phelps is going to be, right before he swims, one of his competitors starts dancing in front of him. Um, and you just wish Phelps would hawk a loogie at the guy or punch him. You just wish that he got, you know, he responds and he just doesn't do it. He just goes out on the course and meets him. So... Um, now, if the Olympics aren't big enough and grand enough for you, how about Burger King tossing its hat in the Tex-Mex ring? What are they going to do? Well, they announced the release of the Whopperito. It had already made some regional tests in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Texas. Now the Whopperito, which is a Whopper created in the form of a burrito, hits nation, uh, restaurants nationwide. Do we need this item? Hell yeah, we need this item. If you're under 30 and you're tired of the plain old hamburger. So it's more than just a traditional Whopper rolled inside a tortilla, which already makes me want to vomit this morning. The usual mayonnaise found on a Whopper has been replaced with queso. And some additional seasonings have been added to the burger meat. The Whopper is going to be available August 15th. It's going to cost $2.99. And all I can say to that is, yeehaw! Exactly what we need. Corporate news is a little, corporate news is a little light today. What did you say? Um, I like companies 
doing what I'm about to tell you. Twitter said they're going to sublease out 30% of their San Francisco headquarters. The company's unprofitable and struggling. They've got 183,000 square feet in its San Francisco office. They got a lot of concessions when they're building that building. Furnished office space on four separate floors at the company's headquarters located in two buildings at the corner of 10th and Market is available now. Um, the price is listed as negotiable. So you get 1,400 workstations, 120 conference rooms, five kitchens, three mother's rooms for nursing, and one coffee bar. So Twitter's occupied about 600,000 square feet in two buildings currently. That means the company's given up about one-third of their space. That's a lot of space, 183,000 square feet. Um, basically saying, you know, we're struggling. So... Uh, when Twitter moved into that section of town, it was a kind of a, a rebirth for the blighted part of Market Street. So things haven't gone terribly well for Tweeter. If Tweeter were a company, and they are a company, I must be tired, uh, but when you're a company, you're considered like a breathing person. And sometimes breathing persons need to go get... Um, Jobs and job listing site Monster Worldwide has agreed to sell itself for $429 million. That's a little bit of a shocker. Like, does anyone even use Monster at this point in time? So they're selling to a, a Netherlands based global recruiter. The acquirer plans to maintain the Monster.com site and branding and continue operating the company as a separate entity. You can find me online at RobLackShow.com. It's RobLackShow.com. Twitter, RobLackShow. YouTube, RobLackShow. Black now. 800 516 1220. That's 800 516 1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything I can do to talk about investing for you, I will. We talk about, you know, uh, Hail Marys in retirement. Perhaps you are very Californian in the sense that you might be house rich, but ca- uh, investment poor, cash poor. So you could find yourself getting close to retirement, and the only thing you really have is your house and maybe your ability to work. Every year you work past age 62 adds about 7 to 8% to your eventual benefit in Social Security. So that's a way of getting a little bit more bang for your buck. You could downsize in retirement, go to a cheaper state, take the equity that you have in your home, or you could potentially consider a reverse mortgage. Um, reverse mortgages can give you a lump sum, a stream of monthly checks, or a line of credit. They're all slightly different. 
I highly recommend you work with a mortgage lender like Tony Mendez to learn more about some of your options on real estate in retirement. Let's bring in Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's done numerous loans for me, numerous refis. He's part of my team of people that I can go to to get financial solutions done for you, the individual. Let's talk a little arms today. Adjustable rate mortgages. Oh, boy, did I have a good run with adjustable rate mortgages in the 90s where I think I got like a 9% adjustable rate mortgage that became an 8%, which became a 7%. Which yep. became, they work great when their rates are going down. <laughs> so my monthly payment went from like $1,000 to $900 yeah. to $800. Like, I was like, woo, go, 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 go. But that's when they're on the way down. And we're already at really, really low rates. Right. And so what that means is that most people that are hearing this that have an arm are – if they are in their adjusting period, uh, their ra- their rates are going down. I I think the lo- one year LIBOR is below one percent, and it's been below one percent for a long period of time, which means that your margin, which is probably two and a quarter, uh, your rate is you know below what you get on a thirty year fixed. So you're sitting at super low rates, even below what everybody else is getting. It's great. And kind of what's interesting to note about what you're saying there is remember the whole LIBOR scandal where it's rigged. Yep. I don't know if that ever really made it to the attention or to the the pocketbook of the average consumer using some sort of adjustable rate mortgage side towards LIBOR. But they know in their head that adjustable rate mortgages have some risk to them, more so than 30-year or 15-year. Yeah, I think if anybody ever wants to get an arm, they want to check the history of okay. that index. And there's several different indexes that, that uh, a lender can offer on. Usually something like a portfolio lender can use something off the wall, but majority of like Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, they're going to use the one-year LIBOR, which means that let's say you get a five-year arm, which it's 30-year amortization. It's a term of 30 years. After five years, uh, it becomes adjustable. Right. And it's going to adjust to that index plus your margin. And, um, you know, for a lot of people, it can make sense, Rob. Sure. Um, and, you might hear me say that arms are great for uh, some people and not for others. That's because the people, most of the people back in 2007 were getting arms. Usage of arms has dropped considerably. It was as high as 60% here in the Bay Area, and that's dropped considerably down to below 20% now. That's interesting. Um, but a lot of people that, have to buy, that are buying these million-dollar-plus properties, it makes more sense to them to get an arm. There's almost a 1.5% difference between 30-year fixed jumbo and a five-year arm. Right. And on a $800,000 mortgage, you're looking at over a $1,000 a month difference just by getting one. So you just add, it just adds up. So in five years, you're saving $60,000. So wh- where does that not make sense? And then you just refinance into another arm. So there are people that are habitual arm users. Right. And then there's people who use arms that just don't know what they're doing. And, and those are the people who should really be careful. And what's interesting about that is, uh, in my opinion, that... Adjustable rate mortgages have their place. Like, in the final 10 years of my career, an adjustable rate mortgage makes sense because I don't plan, the day I retire is the day I plan on moving. Maybe not out of state, but definitely out of the home, per se. Um, So as I get older, adjustable rate mortgages make a little bit more sense for the temporariness of where I'm living. When you're younger, adjustable rate mortgages make a lot of sense for the temporariness of where you possibly could be living Uh, due to career changes. That's something that everybody should consider if they're short-term or they know the term in which they're going to stay in their house. And they can use a mortgage, like an an ARM mortgage, to fit their schedule. Uh, Another thing about an ARM, too, is that uh, people who get uh, periodic incomes like using ARMs. Why? Because they 
let's say you get a large bonus one year and the next year you don't and the next year you do. As you make principal payments on an arm, especially when it starts adjusting, you, your next payment will decrease based on the principal balance as opposed to a 30-year fix where it never changes through the life of the loan, no matter how much you pay off. So there are some advantages for people that have those types of income scenarios. Sounds good. Anything else that we need to know about arms while discussing this with you? Be very careful. Um, understand the terms. It, look for prepays. The lenders can make a lot of money on you if they're adding prepays. Um, but they're far and few in between nowadays. But be very careful. That's all I can say. Thanks very much. You can find Tony Mendez, com. That's com. You're listening to me, Rob Black. You can always find me online at robblack.com. There's a new study on wealth that says, and it's from the Wall Street Journal today, black families would need X amount of years to amass the wealth of white families. How many years do you think black families would need to amass the same amount of wealth as white families? 228 years. That's how long it would take for African Americans to accumulate the same amount of wealth whites have now if current policies remain in place, according to a new analysis from Corporation for Enterprise Development and Institute for Policy Studies. That's pretty crazy. Over the past 30 years, they found the average wealth of white families has grown by 84%, three times as fast as the rate for African-American families. Sometimes on the show, I'll say, I feel like I was lucky being born white and on a coast and into a family that expected me to go to college. Um, I've got a friend right now who lives in Livermore, and her boyfriend's kind of a gymnast kind of thing. No, her fiancé, and she's got a a baby out of wedlock, but her and her boyfriend fiancé are getting together and tying the knot, and she didn't go to college, and she's not saving money for her kid to go to college. And I almost think that's kind of a curse to be born into a family that didn't have college expectations and or college money. If you were to put in terms the 30 years of data, whites would see their wealth increase by about $18,000 a year on average, while Latino households would increase an average of 2250 a year, and the wealth for African Americans would grow just $750 annually. So over the past 30 years, the study found that the average wealth of white families has grown by 84%. You think we live in a world of, of fairness? So, if, if you do, you probably think that this is a, a messed up study. I don't know. I think it kind of speaks for itself. Black wealth matters. Should we pin that? Black opportunity? Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Black in your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, how are you? Hi, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. 
as a brief reminder to our audience, to uh, give everyone a, a quick up-to-date, what do you do, what's your title, and why is it important at briefing.com? Sure. Uh, well, I'm the chief market analyst for briefing.com, and, and my main objective each day is to uh, essentially analyze uh, incoming data and earnings news and uh, key headlines and try to essentially explain what all of that means for briefing.com subscribers and readers, uh, distilling it down to some uh, some intraday uh, meaning as well as trying to take a step back and uh, uh, provide some perspective on what it could ultimately mean when joined with other factors for the, for the longer term or uh, the big picture outlook, if you will. So um, always have something to do every day because the headlines are new every day and it's um, one of the main reasons why I love what I do. It is kind of fun. I, I'm a shadow, a shadow of what you do, but in financial media I get to talk about market records and how to invest and I keep it pretty simple and you know, stupid at times, but it is pretty wonderful to like study like, ooh, the price of oil is up for this reason or that reason. It keeps you young, I think. Would you agree? Yeah, you know, it, it's good to know what's going on in the world, <laughs> and uh, it's good to, you know, try to get to an understanding of all of those various factors that uh, that make the financial world go around anyway. And as we've seen, uh, obviously through good times and bad, what happens in the financial world does in fact have uh, some real true impact on the uh, the quote the real world, uh, and um, and sometimes are better than others. But you have to understand what's going on in the financial markets. I think to have a true appreciation for you know why you might not be able to sell a house or why it might be a lot easier to sell a house um, and and things like that. Yeah, it's um it's a good skill to have to talk money. Uh, I saw today that. An investment industry trade group is trying to kill a California bill that would make retirement savings accounts and universal benefit. And I don't get it. Like, why don't we have 401ks mandatory in the United States? Like, other countries make people save for retirement automatically. And here we're kind of nonchalant and we say, ah, Social Security will be okay. And we see the numbers and they're scary. So it's a good skill to have. Yep. So what are you seeing in the world of investing? What's the um, – I saw market highs recently, mm-hmm. but are those summertime market highs on low volume or are they real market highs? Well, I do think that they are real market highs. Um, we're seeing um, volume move in fits and starts. You know, So yesterday was obviously a very light day of, of, of volume. Um, Friday was not. You know, Friday was higher than what we've seen in recent averages, and that, that – is what you would like to see, frankly, off the heels of a very uh, decent uh, employment report. Um, so, so that was good to see. But, um, but I think you're seeing it move in fits and starts in terms of the uh, the participation factor here, because um, you have a market that's you know highly valued. Um, you still have interest rates that are low, but I think that uh, there's a healthy appreciation for. Um, for the risk reward dynamic in here, um, I think you've got uh, money managers who are underinvested uh, and are still sitting on good amount of cash, which are you know forced to chase this benchmark up, uh, which kind of creates this impression that there's this, this uh, relentless bid in the market, you know, where you won't get a real big sell-off because um, you know there's a lot of cash ready to be deployed and is getting deployed because these underinvested managers are somewhat fearful of you know of underperforming their benchmark but at the same time uh everyone does appreciate that you know you're at a high valuation here and is is and is a i 
think, cognizant that you're there because there's been some artificial price support uh, provided by, you know, the very accommodative monetary policy, which has basically forced a lot of people, you know, into the stock market. And so they're they're cognizant that the that the uh, the risk factor involved here should something go wrong, and, and no one knows what that something could be. But you know, um, if something does go wrong, that is you know maybe outside the Fed's control. Uh, you could have a very uh, nasty sell-off, and I think people are worried really about uh, the market getting disconnected here between uh, the fundamentals and, and and stock prices at the moment. As we move out of. I guess, second quarter earnings in the third quarter. How are you feeling in hindsight from what you've seen from most of the second quarter earnings? Yeah, well, you know, I can say that I think it has panned out exactly as I expected it to, and a lot of people did. So the thing with, you know, the earnings reporting period is that you always see analysts uh, drop their numbers, um, you know, going into the period. And, and what it does is it creates a really low bar of expectations that becomes very easy for these companies to hurl when they have the capacity to, uh, through share buyback activity in particular, to, to sort of, you know, to quote, beat the numbers. Um, you know, second quarter earnings, you know, despite all of these better than expected results, are still projected to decline 2.4% year over year. Um, that's, you know, not a great thing in an absolute sense, but relative to the, you know, 5% or so decline expected at the start of the reporting period, it qualifies as good news. And so, so it has turned out better than expected, which is usually the case. Uh, but what gets lost in that mix, I think, uh, is that you've seen third quarter estimates, fourth quarter estimates, and calendar 2016 estimates come down uh, at the same time the market's been cheering these better than expected second quarter earnings. So, so it's a little bit of what I'm, I drive to when you when you talk about the uh, growing disconnect between um, stock prices and fundamentals. You know, it's it's counterintuitive to see stock prices go up uh, to record highs when earnings are not only declining but earnings estimates uh, for future quarters are coming down. Um, so something to to keep in mind, and and obviously this market seems to be riding this idea that earnings growth will will potentially pick up to the point and catch up to where valuations are and to justify them at these current levels. And so, um, you know, there's been that patient mindset for some time now, obviously, because the Fed keeps uh, doing what it can to uh, try to <laughs> jumpstart economic growth, and which hopefully stronger levels of economic growth will lead to better earnings growth. It hasn't come to fruition yet, but that's the thinking, I think, that's helping to prop up uh, the market. So, President Obama is going to go down in history for Obamacare, and during his eight years of presidency, healthcare companies have done very, very well. Do you see anything coming from the presidential candidates that we could invest in to play the system, so to speak? Um, well, you know, obviously, it's kind of it seems to be the, the Republican rallying cry to you know repeal Obamacare if they get the opportunity to do it. Uh, so, um, you know, if you have a Republican president matched with a Republican Congress. Uh, then, you know, you have to be uh, aware that there could be some, you know, payback, uh, so to speak, within those health care stocks that have done very well under Obamacare. Um, and then uh, it sounds like the Democrats are, are, are trying to uh, work towards some reform of, you know, drug pricing and, and uh, things of that nature, medical care costs and the like, um, whether that can be carried out as a, is, 
remains to be seen, and it might be a difficult undertaking if you have a Democratic president matched with a Republican-controlled Congress. So, um, you know, I think we talked about this last week or maybe the week before that, Rob. I mean, I just I just think that this election, the way that it's unfolding, is that you're going to have a market that um, kind of bounces around uh, leading into this election, but ultimately, until you know the the actual outcome and the congressional makeup as well. Uh, it will then show, you know, more, I think, uh, conviction behind some of these, uh, quote, uh, political trades. Uh, but until then, I, I think it's just kind of like trying to bide its time and almost ignore what it's hearing from some, <laughs> the boilerplate it's hearing from uh, from the candidates. I don't know. I kind of believe Trump when he says he's going to get GDP up to 4%. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of healthy sarcasm all, throwing in we there. We can all wish, huh? <laughs> Invest in CMEX in case he does get in. Uh, to build that wall. Um, right. Off topic, what else are you working on in the world of investing? What's on your plate that you find interesting that you're going to be publishing soon? Well, you know, it, um, I'm going to start digging into, I think, and you, you alluded to it a little bit earlier when you talked about kind of Social Security sort of being in a mess of a situation here, right? And okay. and I've been pondering here why you know the market continues to just sort of kind of ignore these really big, important issues, right? So you not only have Social Security that's a problem, you have, you know, un funded pensions, um, you have a national debt that's, you know, uh, high and, and getting higher, um, you know, low fertility rates. Um, you know, there's a lot going on out there that the market just kind of is sort of just trying not to think about, I think. Uh, and at what point, you know, does it really come home to roost? Maybe never, but uh, there's some big issues <laughs> in <need> tackling. <laughs> so, uh, Isn't the right be- answer, after I die? Right, so so I may just delve into kind of like some of those big picture issues that we need to be mindful of, and you can't just uh, whistle past the graveyard with that. You're killing me with that kind of pessimism. <laughs> but <laughs> with that said, what do you uh, any you watching the Olympics or there? Would you ever invest in a story like a Nike or an Under Armour tied towards the Olympics because they do very well during that period of time? Well, they do, um, but you know I think that just holds them out as you know day trading vehicles if if you're playing that angle. But um, you know okay. uh, Nike obviously has a longstanding success story. Under Armour is doing very well. Um, the whole athletic leisure uh, group seems to be uh, doing well these days. And so you know I wouldn't look at it uh, more making an investment just because of what's happening in the Olympics. You'd look at it more so you know what's going on with trends in the industry and and what's going on around the globe that's going to impact the earnings results for those respective companies. Thanks so much. As always, you're wonderful and insightful. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. You can find him at Briefing.com. It is a full-fledged, full-out website dedicated towards international and domestic investing, uh, non-biased sources. There's day trading ideas. There's technical ideas. There's a lot of breaking news and reports from analysts. Solid site. Check it out at Briefing.com. That's Briefing.com. Now, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. 
Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, invested more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Anything on your mind we can talk about? I try to pride myself on the ability to bring to you interesting content. Um, I'll go through some of the the top stories in Uno Momentero. Um, But you let me know if there's anything on your mind. Drop me an email at rob at robblackshow.com. So for me, some of the top stories of the day are tied towards job site Monster has agreed to sell to an HR firm across the seas. There was a point in time that Monster was pretty popular. And then I think kind of LinkedIn took over and kind of changed things up a little bit. Um, Elsewhere, Facebook is aiming to take more control over ad blockers. Facebook unveiled two moves to protect its advertising revenue. It's overriding ad blockers and giving consumers control over what kind of ads they see. So if you use ad blocking software, which I don't, but I hear is amazing, Facebook will override that and start showing ads on the platform. But even while forcing those ads, Facebook will also give you more control over what ads you see. Lyft is going analog. They're going to start selling gift cards at Starbucks. And that's a way of getting people... Whether Lyft makes money on the deal or not, it's really a way of getting people to use the service. A company that I think you should always kind of potentially maybe have on your shopping list is a company called Walt Disney. Um, I was just taking a look at... um, I was just taking a look at some of the numbers coming out of Disney in the last quarter. Captain America Civil War grossed over a billion dollars. Finding Dory grossed over $900 million. Now, that's not to say that Disney is a no-brainer and that it's always going to go up. They've got some real problems with ESPN. But we're also seeing someone like Hulu say, we're going to be getting rid of the free service. As we're starting to learn that when Hulu came out with free, it was really competing a lot more so with YouTube for online eyeballs, and now it's a situation where they're saying, hey, there's a lot of premium content out here, so we may be able to charge a premium. So for me to take a look at Disney and say, sure, yeah, right, um, I get that there's going to be a problem in ESPN maintaining, see, I think ESPN over-expanded, but then again, I don't know, because I'm not one of those guys that defines who I am by sports. Um, I think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Well, you can blah, 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 you know. Um, I don't, I don't define myself by other people. So I just found that to be demeaning and useless and, uh, sells people short. So Disney's going to report today results after the bell. Expect revenue to be over $14 billion. The company has fallen short of revenue expectations three of the last four quarters. As its ESPN business has been experienced a slowdown in subscriber growth. But that whole slowdown in subscriber growth and the overexpansion of ESPN, you've seen them fire a lot of people in the last year. Like It's not like they're not noticing it. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in time if, you know, I think there'll be a Disney app where you can get any Disney movie anytime, $14.99 or $9.99 a month. Or they'll do that famous Disney thing. Do you remember when you were growing up and you wanted to vomit? You'd be watching television and on TV would come an infomercial. Coming to the power of VHS, Cinderella. She hasn't worked in over 50 years. Now for a special time only. We've cleaned up that horrible old footage and we've made it look shiny spitty new. And you can get it for thirty nine ninety nine for a limited time offer, kids. And then the DVD would come out. <laughs> and then the Blu-ray would come out. Hurry before she goes away forever. Before we lock her in the Disney vaults forever. I hate you, Disney, for playing games with me. Uh, but they've got a lot of content. And that's the beautiful thing about Disney and down the road, the beautiful thing about Netflix is when you create content that people want and you got that content, well, you can bring that woman back out of the vault and treat her like a lady. Show her to the world and let her go to the ball and let her meet Prince Charming and then lock her back up. So Disney's going to be an interesting quarter today, in my opinion. And uh, if I were a betting man, I'd say its stock is probably putting close to a bottom. Yum Brands. Their investors are filing a shareholder proposal requesting that it quickly phase out harmful antibiotic use of its, in its meat supply. I personally like the oversized super chicken. Um, and I'm really offended that people want to get away and go back to normal-sized chickens. I want my chickens on antibiotics and steroids that make them so big that they're like a 44-pound chicken and that they can beat any other chickens but from any other fast food restaurant. I don't care about superbugs wiping out the population. I'm actually for it. We've promised too much in population. Uh, we've promised too much in, in supplemental insurance programs through Social Security and other programs, Medicare, Medicaid, Medi-Cal. I'm pro-superbugs. Especially if we could target the elderly. Rob Black is kidding. It is healthy sarcasm. Please get used to it. Twitter is subleasing 30% of its San Francisco headquarters. Woohoo! Um, that tells you the times are not good there and that they're tightening the belt. What's for dinner, Mom? Ramen noodles again? Twitter's not exactly living on the, the, the large. You can find me online at robblackshow.com, Twitter at robblackshow.com, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't forget, CFP Chad Burton does his show Mondays and Tuesdays here on KDOW. You can listen to him in the afternoon, 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock. Find me at robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.